1: Tiger fans, welcome to episode 183 of the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club Podcast, bringing you all the latest news, updates, and buzz surrounding your mighty JSU Tigers. I am the Corey C. Be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast to be notified of all future episodes. Apple Podcast users, rate and review the show, and everyone, Follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Instagram and Twitter. It all helps the cause, which is the I love, Jackson State University. Joining me today again is the Big Aristotle. What up, Shaq? What's up, D. Corey man? Glad to be back, bro. As always, as always. And let's welcome in a newcomer to the show, Mr. Cedric Hull. What up, said? What's up, the Corey C, man? Listen, I appreciate you guys having me. Hey, our pleasure, man. It's been a, a long time coming, man. It's something that I think both of us have been thinking about for a while. So glad that we can finally make it happen. Hey, man, listen, I'm I'm glad as well. I appreciate you all and a longtime listener of the show, longtime supporter of Jackson State, and I must tell the story of how this came about. I know you said both of us had been thinking about it for a while, but we never talked to each other about it, right, about you coming on the show. But we had a trivia, if if you listeners remember, a couple weeks ago, there was a trivia on Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on our social media. We had a picture of Josh Lanier in a number three jersey he was uh, he did a photo shoot wearing the jersey number three and the trivia question was who was the last jackson State wide receiver to wear the number three we gave a clue as well we said he spent time in the nfl with the minnesota vikings and the seattle seahawks and we said the third person to answer correctly we will give you a guest appearance on tiger talk with the 1400 club and we had some some a lot of good guesses we had a lot of people saying Jamar johnson I said that was a good guess because he did play for the Vikings. He was number 83, so that was close as well. But he came after Chris Jones. And then we also had a lot of uh, Daniel Guy, who wore the number three, but he wasn't with the Vikings or the Seahawks. So, uh, again, wasn't he, he was the third person to answer correctly. And I was joking. I said, man, it's not even fair, man. You shouldn't even be allowed to participate in this tribute because you're overqualified. You know, you're one of the OGs when it comes to Jackson State sports. You go way back. But, hey, man, everything happens for a reason.
2: Right, right. Listen, I, I when I looked at it, I said, well, somebody already got it, so I'm not going to worry about it. But then I just said, let me let me try. Let me try and just because I knew the answer. And I said, let me just uh, just answer to see has anybody got it. And he told me, say, hey, man,
1: you got it. It's like, what? So <laughs> it was That's easy. A, it, it was too easy. And I told you, I said "Man, that was too easy. That was too easy. But hey, it is what it is. Those were the rules you want fair and square. So welcome to the show. And I appreciate you all again for having me all right fellas let's get to it man fresh off this win, a nail biter i was nervous a roller coaster of emotions excited nervous uh just <laughs> all game long man nerves going up and down emotions going up and down but we pulled it out so let's hear about it i'm pretty sure y'all have some similar sentiments so let's hear about it what are just kind of some of your initial thoughts after the game of the team and the game itself well for me you know
0: first and foremost it was a relief <laughs> you know, it was a nail biter. I and I hate to be involved in games like that from a fan perspective, but I know from a team perspective that builds continuity, chemistry, um, and a lot of confidence for those players out there on the field, and they gain trust in one another as well. Indeed, indeed, bro. So, um, from a fan perspective, man, I was I was relieved. I was happy. I was I was happy to see that the guys persevered in the end, stuck together. Stuck with their overall game plan, um, and and basically came out with the dub.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of like the same way. I mean, it, it helped the team, I guess, come a little closer. I guess because it was basically the defense, man. I tell you, um, I was kind of worried, but then I wasn't because I knew, hey, if, if we left left it in the defense hand, and hey, those guys came together in jail and, and they've been playing great all game. So, uh, you know, I knew then. The, the little butterflies I had in my stomach. I said, hey, you know what? Defense got this.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and that's a good place to start, man, the defense. We have been seeing, you know, the guys and the names of the players who were coming on board. We knew it would be a, a makeover from the fall as far as, the, you know, the, the personnel on the defensive side we would – we posed the question right here on Tiger Talk with the Fourteen Hundred Club. With this return to the dark side defense, we, we saw the transfers. We talked about the quote from Shadur going up against the defense every day in practice, an SEC defense, and we finally got to see it firsthand, and they did not disappoint. To see that team speed across the field and across the board, more
0: importantly, I think every position on that defense has significant speed that definitely outmatched FAMU in his game. And I think that's definitely the problem that FAMU experienced was trying to just get acclimated with that overall team speed. I don't think that they were prepared for that, to be honest with you. Right? I think it was one thing for them to hear it in the media mm-hmm. uh, and to hear all about the transfers that came in, but then for them to experience it firsthand, and and you, can see, <laughs> you can see some of the defeat and the frustration with some mm-hmm. of their players on the field with mm-hmm. this belief that Dang it! This guy can got do. me again, and like, there's nothing can we can them do about it. Shaking their heads and and them start starting to lose a little bit of their confidence because as soon as they got the ball, it was like six or seven silver heavens all around them.
2: And and um I think what what do they call? Was, was it was it the Rag Boys? I, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think I seen none of that. <laughs> uh Like you know, like y'all guys said, the defense was so quick after every play. If it's a catch, like I say, it's three or four I'm on the guy. You know what I'm saying? So it was, man. I was just happy. I was, I was really happy. It t- it took me back to the, to the '80s and '90s of, of the dark side of old. So I was like, man. I, I listen. I almost cried, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it brought back memories, huh? It brought back memories. I tell you.
1: Mm-hmm. You talk about the rack boys. The receiving core for the FAMU with their top receiver, Xavier Smith, six catches for 16 yards, man. I mean, that's unheard of. I mean, they got the ball in his hand six times. That's not bad. But for him to only finish with 16 yards, that lets you know that the defense was swarming to him. They had a bullseye on him, and they got him down every single time.
2: Yeah, they. I mean, and I, I, if I'm not mistaken, most of the game they played pretty much man-to-man. So it was, you know, running out of the catch was nothing.
0: I agree, man. I mean, overall, I think our secondary play lights out. They definitely li- limited the rag boys from, from getting yards after the catch. There are a couple of instances, I think, in the third quarter where we gave up a couple of first downs, Um, you know, through some of the plays that we may have missed a couple of tackles on. But overall, I was still proud of the way those guys, those guys played. And even when, fam, you was able to get the ball on a completed catch, they limited the yards, and, you know, extremely in terms of um, in them having the ability to get, you know, five, six, seven yards after the catch. Those guys were pretty much sustained in terms of catching the ball in the same spot that they were in and basically going down on the ground right after that. And that's mm-hmm. what you want to see. You want to coach that and you want to see those guys use the fundamentals and uh, what they're learning in practice to basically see the ball, read, react and tackle. And that's
1: what they did. Mm-hmm. And speaking of tackling, one thing that, that really stood out to me was so impressive because we've talked about just the missed tackles over the course of recent years throughout Jackson State football over multiple coaching staffs and regimes, just the, the poor tackling. But we have tackling all over the field. We have it at all three levels. That's going to be tough for any offense going forward because we make plays. We don't miss t- I mean, if you look at our, our, Keontae Hampton only had a handful of tackles. Uh, we had Aubrey Miller, who I'm sure we'll talk about throughout the show. He had nine tackles, which got him uh player of the week honors, but that's a that's a double digit tackle guy. But those numbers are going to be lowered across the board per player because you have so many guys making plays. When you look at a Houston coming in making plays, a Gaddy who set the tone early. So the tackling really stood out. I know that was a, a relief for you as well. You know, looking looking at the
0: game overall, the the, the defensive player of the week for the swag could have went to could have gone to two players. Personally, I say more than two. Right, I'm, more going, than I'm two. To, I say more than two. I want to. I want
1: to know who your two are. And I'm my going to my play. my two my two would have been Cameron Sealman and Aubrey okay. Miller. Okay. Now, but before you expound on that, I'm going to put throw a name out there. He didn't have the the counting stats. Like if you look at the number of tackles and you know sacks and things like that. But going back to the name I just said, now's Gaddy. The reason why he set the tone early we talked about how this defense intimidated fam you was started in that first quarter on the opening drive now's gaddy could not be contained if you look at the quarterback pressures the quarterback hurries that set the tone and they had to game plan they neutralized him uh, throughout the game starting out say in the mid second quarter on down but that that was they had to focus a lot of their attention on him and that opened up the lanes for some other guys to come through so he didn't have the numbers but again he set the tone early so I mean, I, I get where you're coming I, from, I, but I
2: can, I, I, can I agree you. with that. I can agree with that. And you know what? And I think for me, uh I kind of liked uh number 99 Antoine Owens.
1: Another guy who set the tone, right?
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, he was coming off the end at wreck, wrecking havoc. So, you know, and um I guess my other guy would be uh Sylvan as well.
1: Mm-hmm. That was a pleasant surprise. I, I wasn't expecting him to, you know, obviously with true freshmen, you never know. But they trusted him. Obviously, he showed them something in practice because they not only put him in the game, they trusted him to play big minutes and crucial possessions. And he did not disappoint. Man, I mean, I'm you're talking them, about the, the game the winning play, badger the 2. game 2. saving Right play. now. Right, <laughs> so right. You call him what?
2: The Honey Badger 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and then another person, I guess, uh, once he got in the game, uh, Shallow.
1: Well, I mean, that's a guy who I'm not surprised. I mean, I've seen him do it. I saw him do it in the SEC. So for him to do it on the on the swag level, that's not that's not surprising to me at all. But I think he definitely put a lot of teams on notice. A lot of teams will be game planning for him. They'll be looking for him in the scouting report. I, you know what? There's there's five
0: players that they're going to have to start looking out definitely on the scouting report going forward. Um, obviously everybody knows about Aubrey Miller. But now you got to add Cameron Sealman to the list. You got to add Shiloh to the list. I think you got to add um John Huggins to the list. And you definitely gotta add Niles Gaddy and Antoine Owens to the list. And well, let's I mean, get could... Jamani Crane as well. I mean, and obviously you got you got Nugget. We, we haven't even mentioned <laughs> Nugget's name because the ball really didn't get thrown in the way. You shouldn't way have, put, you shouldn't have tried way.
1: to put a number on it. Because when you say five, and once you got to the fifth person, you started thinking, The more I can keep going, you didn't even right. say, <laughs> no, you, you, uh, didn't you didn't, you didn't say, say Keontae Hampton. That's a <laughs> you didn't and say, look, say here, Here's
0: the thing, here's the thing, a lot of these players rotated significantly mm-hmm. in this game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, it, it wasn't as if these guys, you know, played majority of the snaps. There was a lot of rotation and minutes spread all around across the board, uh, with the depth that this team has. And you know, a lot of these guys that we may not we may not mention on this on this conversation, on this podcast, their names will eventually get mentioned across the course of the season um, because, of the, you know, of course, through, through injury and attrition, and everything else that comes with with the football season. But once these guys get a chance to get on the field, they're going to show
1: what they got. Let's talk about this depth, because, you know, like I said, you tried to name five and then we kept going another name, Cornish Miller who he set the tone as well. Big Junior, Big Junior. <laughs> Junior he set the tone. Right. He's a guy. And, and he went down. He, he went down in that game, and he missed significant time. He didn't even return. So kudos to the team for holding it down without him and sealing the deal and getting it done. Spoke with him after the game. He says he's fine. He says he feels good. But, you know, we'll see. Hopefully, we, you know, he won't miss time. Or if he does miss time, it'll just be precautionary. It won't be nothing serious. But that's a guy who, again, he, he wreaked havoc. And just going back to the depth, you talk about how we're able to rotate guys in and out. Well, guess who did not even make the trip? We're talking about a Malik McLean. So if we look at the pressure that Niles Gaddy was bringing on one end and they made some adjustments, but going four teams will have to account for a Malik on the other side. And then you have a Katron Evans, the highest-rated recruit in Jackson State history, a four-star, could have gone anywhere. He's at Jackson State. He didn't make the trip. And then you have a Justin Reagan, another guy who, if he's not a starter, he's going to contribute significantly to this team. So that defense that we saw that was lights out, locked down, is not even nearly at full strength scary real scary. Scary. Really scary
2: and then like you say for his depth i mean it's not a drop off at all you mm-hmm. know back back in the days we used to have okay first first team uh pretty good but then the second team is just kind of a big drop off with this team here no drop off at all
1: at any position and if you look at you know speaking of no drop off if you look at that secondary it's almost like plug and play because you have a guy like DeJon Warren who didn't finish the game, but you have an Al Young, you have a, a Sealman who's stepping in in the sec- secondary, and some other guys. You have some freshmen playing back there, and you really didn't miss a beat. You have a, a guy like Zay Bolden who didn't play. I mean, and again, you didn't miss a beat. So the depth is there, and it's just, man, it's just a, a beauty to see.
0: Man, you know, you, you look at, as I say, I, as we started off this conversation, we talked about the overall team speed. Um, and the four, the four elements that Coach Prime said that he likes to see when the team plays, and they're smart, tough, fast, and disciplined. So fast, you can just go ahead and check that off the list. I mean, it's, it's a done deal. These guys have speed to burn not only in the secondary, but you know, uh, the, the linebacker core, the secondary, and a couple of the rush-ins. I mean, those guys are just phenomenal with the team speed. Uh, coming across the edges uh, and basically being being hawks man
1: being headhunters mm-hmm. and i want to i want to give a shout out to a couple of players from the previous regime I, you know it's always special to see those guys whenever those new staff comes in and this is not just in football. This is in, in business at on a job. When a new management comes in, they tend to clean house and bring in their own crew and their own guys, their own team. And it's no different with the coaching staff. You know, Coach Prime. talk about a major overhaul since the spring, but you do have those holdovers from the previous regime who are still there and contributing, and that, that's great to see. I want to start with C.J. Holmes. He's a guy who played a ton of snaps, made, you know, made a mistake. He had a pass interference call, but he had several plays as well. Uh, positive plays and it's just so excited to see him out there, you know, a, a senior holding it down for that previous regime and then doing such a great job. Finish the game would,
0: I think, total. Um minus minus the pass interference call, which you know you can argue should have could have easily been a no call because the ball was definitely uncatchable. Right. Um, That's the first thing I said. But I get it. You know, they had to they had to call it instead of calling it pass interference, they probably just should have called holding. Holden. Holden.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: uh, and that probably would have been a better, more accurate call. But overall, I, I like what he brought to that safety position. Uh, and again, I think you played excellent in this game. And and let's not forget that these guys are are eventually, all of them across the board are going to get better as they build their team chemistry. This is their first game, you know, playing together as a, as a one unit with all of the pieces that were missing from the spring. And for them to come out and play lights out the way they did, kudos to y'all, man. I'm proud of y'all.
1: Absolutely. And before you move on, I, I do want to name some more of those guys from the previous staff as well. Anthony Petty, guy who was brought in under Coach Hendrick in the recent recruiting class uh, with the block field goal right before halftime. Uh, that kind of probably went under the radar for a lot of people. But if you, if you give them that field goal, we're looking at a 9-7 game. That was huge, too. That was
0: huge. It was a huge play by Petty, um, who was who was recently announced as a team captain for that game. Kudos to you, Young Buck, uh, for coming in and contributing significantly to the Florida game uh, and making some plays when your name was called.
1: Trey Lockhart, another guy as well, previous regime, get some playing time, looking good. You know, and this this is what the coaching staff has been preaching
0: since the end of the spring is just stepping up when your name was called. Um, and these guys really stepped up, man. You know they played, they played with a sense of urgency. they played fast, they played tough. Um, they played discipline. Um, and you know you know minus a couple of mistakes here and there, and, you know with, at the beginning of the game with, with, with field position being flipped uh, because of the rain that came down. Um, obviously those guys again stepped up tremendously um, and, and basically had a go-getter attitude the whole game. You can tell they got a little bit tired out, you know, during the later part of the game, the third quarters and fourth quarters. Uh, but again, you can attribute that to basically getting comfortable with, you know, game endurance overall, which is definitely going to get better across the course of the season.
2: And, and the one thing that I liked about the defense, they fed off each other. You know, when, mm-hmm. one, when one guy made a play, I mean, everybody come to congratulate him and high five. And, and I think that's what we needed, you know, and, the guys did a great job. So hats off to, you know, the coaching staff as well as the players. And I'm just looking forward to what the defense has to offer. I tell you.
1: Yeah, great point. I think uh, if you watched that documentary recently, Coach Prime, he pointed that out uh, from a spring game. It's the guys not celebrating not congratulating the guys he's pointing pointing out the guys who you know weren't you know running up and celebrating and congratulating their, their teammates when when big plays were made so definitely I think those guys took that to heart and the com- camaraderie is just it just jumped off the screen if you're watching it on ESPN or if you're in the stadium it's just it's so apparent really makes
0: me happy about us having this conversation about a recap of the game is that there's one name that all of us know that we haven't even mentioned, and that should tell people just how fast this defense is playing and
1: how aggressive they are. Wait, don't say, don't, say it, don't, the say it, don't say it. 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 Let's guess. Is this on defense? It's on defense. Okay. A name that we haven't said. Who, who you got, Hull? Let me see. A name we uh, I would say Keontae Hampton. No, we said this name a couple times. Are we talking about Houston? Oh, oh. I'm talking about Hampton and Houston. <laughs> no, we we no, we've talked about Hampton. We've definitely well, you know
2: what? I think he, I think he mentioned it, but you know, for as a, a contributor, you know, I guess what he's saying maybe like you know, last year it was all Keontae Hampton. Now we got eleven Keontae Hamptons on <laughs> on defense.
1: And you can tell Cedric Hall listens to Tiger Talk, and I, I was just about to say this, but he beat me to it. Zo said this on the recent episode of Tiger Talk when we were pre- previewing uh, maybe the defense, I'm not sure, but he talked about how, you know, in past we've only had so many guys who can make plays. Like a Keontae Hampton, he's going from sideline to sideline, having to make every single play on the field. But with these guys that Coach Prime and his crew, uh, the, the guys that they've brought in, he said, now we have 11 Keontae Hamptons on the field that stood out when he said that and saturday it was it was apparent oh man more than apparent
0: and you know the thing that i love about this is that every player of course brings their own personality to the team and and their flair and style and how they're going to play the game and you're going to start to see you know their particular swagger start to stand out as the season progresses these guys now have an opportunity to really start to play their game respectively uh, within a team concept, of course, but their personalities are now starting to, you know, shine a little bit on the field, kind of like, you know, Shiloh being the headhunter that he is laying the big hits. So now his personality is obviously present on the field. Now's Gaddy coming across the edge. So, you know, a lot of people are talking about he came across unblocked. The guy obviously has some speed uh, on the end, and you can definitely see that across the board. Uh, Nugget being the lockdown corner that he is. And now the Honey Badger 2.0 camera settlement coming in, you know, wrecking (laughs) shop uh, coming across the middle. True freshman. True freshman, indeed. So I'm excited. I'm excited as the season progresses to see how these guys and their individual personalities start to shine on the field and and what creativity
1: they're going to bring to their position on the field as well. Mm-hmm. And before we move over to the offense, I definitely want to talk about that side of the ball. Uh, just to piggyback off what you know we, you were just saying with the with the freshmen. Well, I think, I guess I just said, I pointed out the true freshmen. <laughs> so to piggyback off myself, just the number of freshmen who played, that lets you know that the recruiting is on point with Jackson State football because much has been stated about the transfers coming in. If you look at your Zay Boldens and your Junior Millers and your James Houstons, But when you go and get guys out of high school and they're contributing in their true freshman season, and I'm specifically talking about a Cameron Silverman, and we'll go over to the office and we'll talk about Rucker. But, I mean, that just bodes so well for the future, the number of freshmen who were in the game at critical junctures. This is how you build a program. You build a program
0: with your uh, freshmen who get acclimated to the team scheme you know, the culture of the team and the, of course, the culture of the university as a whole, but you build that team chemistry with those freshmen coming in. So they understand the work ethic and they understand what they have to do in order to contribute and get on the field. And after that, you know, those guys become leaders as their sophomore and junior seasons come about and they start training the next, you know, group of freshmen coming in. So uh, coach prime and his staff did an awesome job of identifying some freshmen that can come in and contribute immediately. You can see the talent on the field glaring. I mean, it's it's an obvious difference in skill set from what we've had in years past.
1: And these guys just came in and just, um, they changed the flow of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baron Hobson, your guy, you know, you saw him get in there and, and make a play. Had a mistake as well. We don't have to point it out. Baron, I'm sure Baron, he, Baron, yeah, Baron. I'm sure he's uh, looking Got at that. Not to bed. hold on <laughs> to the ball, homie. <laughs> hey I'm sure he's heard it we don't have to point it out on Tiger Talk with the Four Hundred club he made a play and hey we saw what happened but you know again you know the, the freshman you talked about how you build a program with freshmen that's true but you know you have a lot of coaching staffs who do it one way or the other they build it from with, with freshmen and when they come in and it's taking a while for you know for those freshmen to get up to speed and the fans are impatient and then you have those coaches who come in and they're just transfer 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 but this Staff has done such a great job of balancing it out. They've done both. I feel as though we can fill the team with freshmen only that could be competitive in the SWAC, and we can fill the team with transfers only that could win the SWAC.
0: Corey, I think you're right, man. To be honest with you, yeah, I think you're right. I think what they have done is is set the ceiling with some of the transfers in terms of the work ethic that they need to bring to the positions. Uh, overall and i think once you set an expectation um and that becomes like the um that becomes like the norm in terms of the environment that these guys are practicing in uh, obviously those freshmen are going to eventually buy in because they want to see the field um so as long as you have a goal for some of these freshmen to see up front that they can visualize that they can see in person in practice They're going to want to emulate that, and they're going to want to excel and exceed past it. And I think that's what builds the the strength and conditioning and the overall confidence that you have on the team is is these freshmen are seeing these transfers, of course, on the team. And they're like, I want to be better than him. I want to beat him, and he's, what, two, three years older than me, but I want to beat him and be better
1: than him, so I'm going to practice like I want to beat him. And then, listen, when you have a transfer coming from a a P5 – who you know? If you typically, when you come from a P5 and transferring to the SWAC, you think, okay, I'm going to be the man. I'm going to dominate this conference. I'm going I'm to be a starter. But imagine being that guy, and then you come, you come to a SWAC team, and they have a true freshman who's competing for your job, and, and in some instances, beating you out. <laughs> That's unheard of. That's right. tough, man.
2: But that what that tells me is those guys are, are competitive. Not only competitive against other teams, they're competitive against themselves. And so mm-hmm. when, when when you know. Um at any time, any moment that your position could could be taken by someone other than you, then it, it, it buys in for to it where you have to work harder every day mm-hmm. in practice, in games, and like Coach Prime said, that hey, I'm looking for somebody to, to replace you. So um, you know, once these guys coming in and buying into the program and doing what they're supposed to do, uh, he doesn't he doesn't care freshman or senior. If if you're doing what you're supposed to do, um, that's who's going to be on the field.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely uh, brings about the competition, and I, I absolutely love it, man. I love it. So let's move over to this offense, and I'm going to start with, you know, the, the topic of conversation, typically with any offense, but especially when you're talking about Shadur Sanders, the son of Dion Sanders, who's starting as a true freshman on the college level. So let me say what I, what I want to say, and then I'll turn it over to you. Okay, let's look at the numbers. 18 for 24, 221 yards, 152 pass rating. Okay, so those numbers, just if you just look at them, those are some solid numbers, especially for a freshman. So you you have the those who are you know pointing out the mistakes, the fumbles, uh questioning whether he's you know he should have the job, question whether or not he's the man. So let me just say this, okay, and this is not to uh you know take up for Shador. Obviously he made some mistakes. I'm gonna put that out there. That's obvious. But if you look at a guy who's playing in his first college game, he's a true freshman. And I'll be the first to admit that I've stated multiple times on this show that he's a red shirt freshman because that spring was like a red shirt. But no matter how you look at it, a true freshman, a red shirt freshman, if you're coming from the high school level playing in your first game, I don't know how, I don't care how much preparation, I don't care what you've done in practice. When you get out on the field, especially in a game of this magnitude, bright lights. A formidable, a more than formidable opponent in FAMU, which we need to touch on that before we end this podcast to give them their their just due because that's a solid team, especially defensively up front. They're fast. They're physical. The secondary has multiple NFL prospects, has multiple power five transfers, okay? So for you to have your first game against that level of competition, you're trying to adjust to the speed of the game, that's a different animal until you go out and actually face it for the first time. And Shaq talked about this earlier when he talked about fam, you seeing our defense for the first time. It's one thing reading those names on on paper, but when you go out and face it, it's a different ballgame. So the same for Shadur. for him to put up those type of numbers in his first game, we're talking about a 75% completion ratio, two drop passes, one on the first drive for Ronte Rucker. And all quarterbacks have drop passes. I get it, but I'm just pointing out the facts. Another one later on in the game, Josh Lanier, he could have come down with a ball that could have uh, put us in position to go up 14 to three. So if you add in those passes as well, you're looking at 20 for 24. This man didn't throw a single interception against the secondary that I just talked about. Those 221 yards were the third most passing yards in the SWAC for quarterbacks in week one. Okay. So I, I dare anyone to start a job on your day, on your first day on the job. I don't care how much training you've had, but I mean, your first four, official day where you're doing the task by yourself would be mistake free i don't think anyone has ever done that and those who are criticizing Shador, those are the ones who i'm asking how was your first day on the job okay you know again you, again this man did not throw a single interception the mistakes that he made fumble does he have to do better absolutely does he have to take care of the ball but those are correctable i'm pretty sure he's watching film now and he's looking to correct those mistakes but if you look at those passes that he was throwing the dimes that he was dropping that's something that you can't teach I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And um,
0: just to add to that, and I'll just say this and be very blunt with it. Shadow is going to be a problem for the Swag, And I'm going to go out and I'm going to say this down. And I'm going to I'm going to analyze this and and articulate why I believe that. So obviously game speed between high school and college is significantly different. We can all agree with that. And mm-hmm. that's the one thing that I think this game gave Shadour, the ability to um, dissect the game speed, get accustomed and acclimated to it. And now he can build up a plan to now attack it. Um, because now that the hardest game for incoming freshman quarterback at that uh, is their first game. I mean, we saw it with Fam U quarterback when Junior Moritovic came in with the deer and headlights look. Got a couple of um, um, uh, delay of penalty, or uh, penalties for a delay of game calls, uh, that kind of put them behind uh, when they were trying to come back and get in field goal position. But you know that comes with the territory of being a freshman, uh, and you have to you have to be you have to be alert. But with that being said, shadur showed some poise beyond his years in the pocket. He showed great presence in the pocket. He showed great footwork in the pocket. He showed an excellent arm in the pocket. He showed excellent vision in the pocket. He made excellent decisions when he had the ball in his hands, with the exception of the couple of fumbles. Um, But overall, from a passing perspective, he made excellent decisions not throwing in a double coverage
1: Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. uh, and not throwing ill-advised passes. Um, And the the one thing that I took away from this game um, and his presence in it was his ability to see the play before it starts. And, and him adjusting the protections up front uh, to ensure that they were in the proper call and that, and that they can attack the defense as needed. And I think that really caught FAMU off guard. And I'll, I'll no, I I'll noticed a couple of plays in this game, especially when Shadour um, threw that 45-yard bomb to Josh Lanier that went off the fingertips from Josh when he hit the ground. But as that play, as, at the conclusion of that play, it's almost like the secondary coach for FAMU called his guys over to the huddle. He told the safeties, we're not playing five, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. I need for y'all to play 20 yards off. Mm. And that's exactly what they did. And that's, that to me says, I respect you. Hmm. I respect your arm. I respect what you can do in your accuracy. And uh, we're not gonna blitz you crazy now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ken and Zoe have been adamant about that. (laughs) They've been adamant about daring the coaches, opposing coaches, to do it. Look, I don't, I don't, honestly.
0: If if teams, if teams are gonna blitz Shadour, I be prepared. Mm -hmm. Just be prepared because I think the guy's really accurate, Mm -hmm. and I definitely think he can easily find the open receiver. I'm excited about him as he gets a couple of more reps under his belt. And again, gets comfortable with his game speed, because right now he's not he's 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 playing not to make mistakes
1: mm-hmm.
0: right now. And that's normal for a freshman. I don't care who you are. He's playing not to make mistakes. Once he starts playing his game and once he starts getting comfortable, oh, it's it's going to be tough in this wag, man. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and I think the same thing that y'all thinking, I mean, th- some of the things that he did, um, as a freshman was, you know, remarkable. Um, like you say, first game jitters, I just want to see the progression from, from the first game to the second game,
1: mm-hmm. which is usually the biggest progression, right. usually the biggest jump.
2: So, and once that come about and then, you know, I'll kind of make my assessment of, of, uh, Shador, but, um, uh, this guy's going to be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, He's he's he was poised in the pocket for one. Uh, again making those throws downfield, changing the plays at the line of scrimmage. I mean, I mean, I I, yeah. I can see I can see the future for this guy.
1: All great points. Yeah, making the audibles, and you know we, we talked about the accuracy, and I think Shaq stated it as well. Just not making bad decisions. Well, I didn't see a, him throw a single pass where we said, "Oh man, that pass almost got picked off," or that pass should have been picked off. I, it's I, one thing that throws no one. interceptions. Yeah, yeah. Right. Now, when was the last time that happened where he didn't throw a single pass that was either picked off? Where you say, "Oh, it should have been picked off." The DB just, you know, the linebacker just wasn't expecting it, but it went right, it went right into his hands. It didn't happen. You know, minus
0: minus the fumbles, mm-hmm. I can count three plays that I think Shadua would like back, um, mm-hmm. and and to, to basically get a chance to do over. Mm-hmm. I think the play where he gets sacked by Bell. When he didn't call the proper coverage after the timeout, I think that there's a play that he probably he's probably kicking himself back that he wants back again because I think they had a brilliant play call, but he forgot to account for Bill coming off the edge when he came from his safety position. Um, I think that's the one play that he wants back. I think he wants to play back where he fumbled on on third and one um, on the RPO Uh, instead of him giving the ball off the picket. He took the ball and. Uh, of course, he fumbled the ball right after that. I think he wants that call back. And the last call that I think he wants back is um, when we were driving in the fourth quarter uh, and the, the refs gave us a horrible position uh, on a fourth down call, well, third down call, and we went for fourth and one. I think he would like that call back because um, FAMU was perfectly set up for either a bootleg uh, or a play action. Um, And instead we went with our RPO dive. uh, And of course we didn't get the first down.
1: Absolutely, man. That's that's some great uh, observations, but uh, you know, you you, you, can always say, I wish I had, I wish I could have this one back, but I think overall, man, I'm just going to give him a a passing grade. Just all things considered looking for improvement. Again, uh, mistakes were made, but you know, you can say that about everybody, but this man's playing in a fishbowl. All the eyes aren't on him rightfully so because of who he is and also what he said, you know, he made the comments at Swack media day. So now he has to go out there and back it up. But as far as the debut, man, um, Hey, uh, um, for, for a freshman quarterback overall. Absolutely. Right, I think he did a good job. He was a good job. Well stated. Let's move on to another true freshman, man, Trevante Rucker. Uh, I was surprised at the amount of snaps he got, but man, boy, did he deliver! After and I love how he, you know, he had the the drop pass on that for opening drive, but how he just shook it off and he came back. He played with swagger. One thing I noticed about Trevante, he he's a smaller guy, but he played big. Did you man, see him going? Like, up oh yeah, he,
0: six foot one, six foot two out there. <laughs> he played
1: big. I mean, he
0: went
2: and got that ball. I tell you. <laughs>
0: I was I was surprised at how big he looked from a film perspective out there. Mm-hmm. He definitely mm-hmm. didn't look 5'10,
2: 5'11. Yeah, that's the same thing. I said I was like that. I thought the guy was smaller than that. But you know, on the field he looks a whole lot taller. Unless just the uh family DBs was just that much smaller than he was.
1: No, no he just <laughs> went up and got it, man. I mean, he, he just looked like a, a big receiver. And also to play Josh Lanier as well. I think he set the tone early from an offensive standpoint in terms of just getting us up and down the field. Uh, you know, making the right plays in the right position and moving the chains. You know, I think Josh Lanier changed the pace of the game with him
0: coming across the middle on those drag routes um, and him easily going for like 10, 15 yards, uh, a pop after the run, after the catch. So I think that change uh, or that that at least threatened fam use, you know, game plan in terms of how they were going to attack our offense from a defensive perspective and having having um. Having Josh Lanier come across on those drag routes. I think, I think that that really put Family you on edge, man, because after that, you start to put him in motion a lot, uh, which is what you're supposed to do. Uh, you're supposed to threaten the defense with options, multiple options on the team to and and then you, you you know pick them apart after that. So uh kudos to Josh Lanier because I think he played an excellent game. Uh definitely left about 50 yards out there on the field with a couple of with, with the catchy, definitely. You know, could have had, but I can't. I can't get mad at him, not not catching that, especially with him. You know, having two safeties basically behind him, um, and trying to make a diving catch. Um, so, excellent effort. It definitely would have been highlight rim worthy if he would have brought it in. Definitely would have been on Sports Um But you'll have your chance
2: again. Yeah, Josh. He played. He, he played big. You know, he was catching everything, running the routes, uh, and he was open. he was open so i mean i'm looking for big things with you know with josh
1: and Shaq, i definitely want to hear from you about this offensive line i know that's something that you always have your eyes glued to so what was your assessment man look the big
0: nasties need credit um uh, you always you know games of course are won in 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 every league uh in ncaa football um in the trenches and I think our trench play on both sides of the ball, but especially the O-line, was great. Uh, I like the effort those guys put forth. I like the tenacity that they brought. I like the perseverance that they had, especially, you know, after a couple of miscues, you know, during the rain and the first part of the game. But overall, those guys stuck. They, they For the most part, they kept Shadour clean, you know, mm-hmm. with, with the exception yeah. of a couple of sacks, you know, that came from maybe Shadour holding the ball a little bit too long. And again, those are those are freshman miscues that he'll get better at. But overall, um, I think I only counted one holding play um, for for the O line overall, which is great. Uh, I only I think I counted one false start call, and and of course there was on the left tackle Tony Gray uh, that he was smiling about on camera uh, after he committed it. So uh, overall, they played pretty dis- disciplined, good football. Um, they definitely opened up some lanes from the running backs when they had to. If there's anything that I can critique them on and, and hope that they, um, you know, get better at uh, is is run blocking and ensuring that uh, they hold their blocks longer. Uh, and they commit to um, they commit to just putting hats on everybody when, when necessary, because a couple of times, a couple of guys, you know, missed a couple of blocks, you know, here and there. Uh, and they'll see that on film and they'll get comfortable with that and they'll get better at it. But again, first game overall, uh, I think they play great.
2: Um, same thing with me. Uh, uh, the offensive line, they, they did their thing. Um, actually, I think what FAMU defense line was doing, a lot of stun. And it was kind of getting to them. But I guess once they settled down, they was picking it up. And I was like, hey, uh, the offensive line is playing big. So uh, run blocking was pretty good. Uh, pass block was pretty good. So you know, being in the first game, I think those guys are going to be okay.
1: Absolutely. And I definitely also want to give a shout out to Peyton Pickett, man. He ran the ball hard. He was the workhorse for us. 15 carries, 62 yards. But those man, tough yards, tough yards, 4.1 yards per carry. And uh he I think he did a good job of helping us continue to move the chains at times throughout the game.
0: Yeah, I agree. And you know, he he stiffed on a couple of guys on one of those big runs <laughs> that he had. His longest run was, I think, about 25 yards, um, where he, he kind of bulldozed over a couple of guys. Uh, to get to the next level in the secondary. So kudos to him, man. Look, he looks powerful, man. He has a short statue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um he, you know, it runs with his legs, you know, runs hard too, man. Hard nosed runner. Kind of runs downhill, lowers those shoulders. And man, he pops. He packs a punch, man. Mm-hmm. He packs a powerful punch.
1: Indeed. Indeed. But uh, man, overall, great game so relieved like you said man to come out there with with the W man. I don't know if I would have been able to to take it that week. And we, <laughs> we ended up losing that game at the end. So, shout out to the team, shout out to the coaching staff for getting it done. One and o on to the next one. So, fellas, big win. Indeed. Indeed, big great win. win. <laughs> Absolutely. Said ho. Man, your debut was almost as good as the in and the JSU defense.
2: Hey man, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, man. We look forward to having you back in the future as well.
2: Hey, hey, just let me know. Let me know. I'll be glad to come back.
1: Hey, Shaq, you're normal now. It's just another day at the office for you.
0: (laughs) Man, what can I say, man? I'm happy to be a part of the team.
1: (laughs) All right, fellas. Until next week, we'll see you in Memphis. Indeed.
2: Indeed. See you
1: guys. D, I love. And that'll do it for episode 183 of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Thank you to all of our listeners. And again, be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast. Apple Podcast users, rate and review the show, and everyone. Follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Instagram and Twitter. I cannot stress the importance of this enough. We're looking to do some big things with this platform to aid the athletics department, and it all starts with you. Downloading, subscribing, rating and reviewing the show and tell every tiger that you know we're on all podcast outlets apple podcast google podcast spotify Castbox, and so on and we'll be posting each episode on our facebook instagram and twitter pages as always thanks for your support go tigers hashtag i believe hashtag the i love